You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have Tal Nathanel, CEO and co founder of Showfields, deemed the most interesting store in the world. For nearly two decades, Tal has worked to create successful consumer products and activations through his skills in e-commerce, entrepreneurship, and strategic partnerships. As a serial entrepreneur and innovator at heart, Tal has co-founded several accomplished businesses, including Bluestone Group, which Live Nation acquired in a majority stake, and MyCheck, which was acquired as well, and was was in Forbes' Israel list of top young Israeli startups in New York. When Tal is in creating new experiences for consumers to explore and shop from, he likes to spend his time with his wife and slide down the showfield slide with his four children. We'll definitely need to talk about that too. Tal, thanks so much for being with us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So um, before we dive in, I'd love for you to tell our audience a little bit more about Showfield. Yeah. So I think, you know, in one line, uh, the easiest way to explain Showfield is the most interesting uh, store in the world. If I need to give it a little bit, uh, you know, more than that, I would say that Showfield is a retail platform. And our goal is to kind of connect between the most interesting brands, artists, people, experiences around the world, and a consumer who is eager um, to discover and, and, and engage with that. So if you think about it, like being a platform, then on one end, we have brands and artists who we serve and they come to us in order to find a better more meaningful way to tell their story and tap into an audience audience i mean we'll talk about it later but it's an audience that it's harder than ever to get his attention and to meet his expectation um, and on the other end we have customers and customers comes to us as um, the you know as a place of discovery we are a curator we try to get like to kind of gather um those things which we think are relevant for them, for the time, for that location, um, and to also serve them um, in a way that we believe is uh, more relevant to the way that customers want to kind of engage with products today. Okay, so I think you dove into it a little bit, but tell me, when you first launched Showfields, right, what, what was the gap you were filling and how has that accelerated due to COVID? Yeah, so I mean, I think one thing we didn't touch is like the why. So Showfields came to life with the mission of actually spreading as uh, spreading magic to as many people as possible. And we define magic, it's a strange world, but we define magic is actually a feeling, right? It's a feeling that you get, which I'm sure you know what I mean, uh, but like it's a feeling that you get when you experience or you discover something for the first time. And it's like all together at once, you are surprised, you are inspired, you are engaged. Very important, by the way, you also feel like you belong in that situation because many times, um, you know, something can work very well, but still be alienating. Personally, myself, you know, I grew up in Israel, always dreamt about kind of the, the day I'll come to New York and see all that magic. I grew up between kind of design magazines. So like I always had this picture of, 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 you know, of how I see, like, or I imagine New York. And coming here, um, I quickly discovered that uh, there, there's no magic. Um, I mean, it kind of looks like any other place. 
Um, and after kind of digging in, um, I saw that it, you know, there are some places which it exists, um, but in most cases, it's really not accessible for the majority of people. Um, and, and so like we kind of, with that intent, we actually came to the world. And when I think of it, we talk about, so this is like a consumer gap, right? But like the second level of it, um, is, is like, you know, if you zoom out for a second and you think about the time that we live in, um, and I'm, I'm saying like even zoom out more than COVID for a second, like the last decade, right? This is like, this was the age of creators. There is more innovation. There is more brands. There is more products. There is more art. There is like more creation, uh, coming to the world than probably any other time in history because of very low or relatively low, uh, barriers of entry. So many beautiful things can finally come um, to life. And on the other end, even though there are so many beautiful things out there, it was actually never harder than today to discover those things. Neither the street is democratized or social media is democratized, which means that the majority of those things are left un, kind of unrevealed, right? And if that's not enough, even when uh, you know one of those products or brands are able to meet the customer, the most complicated thing to do today is to actually meet the expectation, the the, the ever changing expectation um, of of today's customer. And I think that kind of like the gap we we are trying to come in and feel like, like that gap, meaning trying to connect between. The, the, the need, the, you know, the eagerness of customers to actually discover those beautiful things, um, to the amazing things which are out there, but not only connect between the two, also make sure that that meeting happens in a way which is, you know, more meaningful for the customer and as a result, more beneficial for the brand. And I should have said, by the way, but like, you know, we started our way with a store and we have our first store located in New York in, in 11 Bond and we have our second store opening in Miami. Um, those physical, uh, you know, stores, which we're going to have more of them in the next uh, kind of coming years um, are kind of one channel. But another channel that we've launched recently was our e-com and we have other channels which are coming, um, you know, in the in the near future. But all of them sit on the same purpose, and that's kind of trying to create that place where we can bring magic to the life of a customer by connecting between the two. I love it. And so what you, what I think Showfields does that's unique is it's really retail theater um, in a lot of aspects, but very thoughtful uh, integration of technology. And this summer, you actually launched what you called Magic Wand, uh, a new app design to augment the in-store experience um, by serving as a, a virtual, basically, advisor for customers. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, as you can see, by the way, from the name, uh, we are really into magic. Um, so uh, the idea of the Magic Wand was basically to create an extension of your, you know, personality to the physical world. It's interesting because it's something that was on our roadmap regardless, but in the context of COVID actually made even kind of more sense than ever because it could have provided like a complete contactless experience. So if you think about, you know, coming to a store uh, today, um, there is so many things that can only happen in person, right? There is like the, the physical discovery, there is engaging your senses, 
there is seeing, there is touching, there is smelling, there is hearing, there is so many things that can happen. And by the way, many of them can only happen in this physical dimension, right? In, in real life. Um, but, you know, talking about changing, like ever-changing expectations of customers, COVID is a great example of how in one day, the expectation of a customer is completely changed. By the way, it's not entirely clear um, yet what it is. Like, for example, you know, some people come to the store with expectation of like being able to connect to a brand host or to a storyteller and learn about the product. And some people, you know, missed the physical store experience, but don't feel comfortable yet, um, you know, doing so. So like giving that example for a second, if you look about the magic wand, the idea of the magic wand is basically allowing you this, um, you know, contactless complete experience um but in the physical store so like when you walk in show feed you're kind of suggested to download this app and then you can walk around all over the store and basically tap on you know brands tap on products tap on pieces of art um and by doing so um you basically kind of get all the relevant information that you need about them so like you can just hear like a narrated like uh you know, story of each one of those brands and why do we think that they're the most interesting and what is the, you know, what's kind of unique about them. You can see the prices of the product. You can create your own cart. Um, you can just say, you know what, I just want to remember this. Like, let's just put it like in my favorites. And because sometimes when we kind of walk in a space, like we are not yet in shopping mode. We are yet, you know, we are now in discovery mode. So this idea that like, you know, giving back the cost, the power to the customer and enhancing their experience is something that, you know, could only be done, I think, in this stage using technology. And it's a great, by the way, example of what or like the way we look at technology. For us, technology is, is a mean to a goal. And being able to just, you know, walk around the store and tap on things and like it's something which is really fun. It's engaging and it actually kind of, you know, it, it makes you it's very playful. Um, but it also gives you value and it also allows us um, to try and give you the best experience possible. Um, and I think that what's interesting about it is that like as the expectations of the customers change and, you know, they can actually decide if, for example, they want to learn about the brand by themselves, like walking in a museum and hearing their story, or they can say, you know what? I actually now want to talk to a brand host. And even with this meeting in a, with a brand host or with a storyteller, they can say, you know what? Like, I would want to do the transaction with you or I want to do it completely kind of contactless and have a bag waiting for me. So it's being able to, you know, kind of uh, uh, to, I guess, accommodate all types of options for them, but also do it in a way which is not only okay, but actually more fun um, or more playful than even the alternative, right? So that's kind of the idea of the magic wand. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, really, it's really about accommodating them, right? And, and meeting them where they need to be met and, and doing it in a seamless way. And so it's interesting, you started brick, brick and mortar, um, highly experiential environment, and then launching e-commerce, launching the magic wand. Um, you've also, this summer, also launched Showfields Live, um, and so it's, it's interesting because you're really thinking about the customer as a channel, not each one of these as its own channel, it, it, it seems. And so can you tell us, like, what have you learned from this? You're talking about these, 
um, evolving consumer expectations, right? And we all know they're evolving faster than ever now because of COVID. But having launched live, right, and thinking of the opportunity of physical and digital, what have you learned from these engagements? Any surprises? Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's actually a very, it was a very interesting kind of few months, right? The intention behind the live video shows was actually very simple. If you think about like one of the most magical things that can happen in physical retail, it's actually that human connection. When we are able to be in the environment where we see products, we experience them, but also being able to talk to like an expert, um, many things happen in that encounter. One of them is being able to have a human connection, a personal connection. There is being able to relate to that person. Um, and that port, like that part of the process is actually very important in creating trust, which is really what it is that we want, right? We want to move a customer from discovery to consideration and then purchase. So not being able to do that in person, the question is, what is the second best alternative? And for us, the idea was, okay, so if we cannot do this in person, what about, you know, if you can't touch the product yourself, maybe the second best thing would be um, to actually try to experience this through the eyes of someone else. And it needs to be someone that you trust. So we started kind of creating those shows, by the way, like different types of shows, right? We have shows which are brand focused. We have shows which are art focused, which are also doing very, very, very well. Um, art, by the way, which is like, you know, want to say like uh, 50% of our DNA um, is something that also got a lot of, you know, um, very strong reinforcement uh, in the last few months. But being able to go on a live show where you see someone you trust and they talk about a product, they talk about a piece of art, they present something through their perspective, and you can actually see them engaging with the product or hearing their personal opinion about the product. Um, and it's not a question of good or bad, but it's, it's really what it is that they think. So there is a very, you know, I think that there is a very magical opportunity there. To your question about what works more and what, what works less, um, and I think it really aligns with our general perspective, is, is, is going back to that word like authentic, right? I think that today's customer is extremely sophisticated and extremely educated and um, being, you know, and, and they see right through everything. And good content is content that that you know that passes as as authentic. When you feel that like you know what you're hearing and what you're seeing um, is real, then I think that there is magic being created. Um, and like and those are the shows that we are trying to focus on creating kind of more. And when we see that we add another layer to those live shows, and there is like also the do good where we donate you know, proceeds to different cause or mission, which is chosen by us or by, you know, that market expert, the art curator, the, the, the thought leader that we are host, that hosting that show. Like we also see a lot of beautiful things happening because it also kind of, you know, kind of motivates customers to engage even more. So like, I think that, um, mission to your question, and then I will finish with that, like, um, authenticity around content is what I think works very well and what customers are looking for. And I think that, you know, being able to have a social impact and being able to view products or art through the prism of actually mission um, is something which 
we believe in a lot. And I think that we kind of see that the customer is reactive, reacting to in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you, you know, you, you obviously with Showfields, um, you're a big believer in marketplace and retail, right? And, and how do you differentiate marketplace from department store? Um, it's interesting. Um, it's an interesting question. And I mean, I think that, I think that there is something about like, um, that goes, goes back to the intent behind that interaction. So when you think traditionally about the, you know, the model of like a department store, right? Department stores are curating in a way that is basically, let's look like department stores are are merchandising more than they're curating. I mean, which is obviously merchandising is a type of a curation. But what they're optimizing for, and it makes completely sense according to their business model, is to that thing that they think can sell the most. And I think that that's a very dangerous formula because that kind of allows you, or this is kind of, it's not even allows you, it actually forces you to make decisions that, you know, maybe are good for you in the short run, but in the long run um, are going to be less, you know, less positive. Um, because there is a difference between what is going to sell, for example, this Christmas to maybe what is the thing that you want to relate to, the thing that you want to align with, or the thing that customers want. There is, a, there, is a, there is a gap between them in many, you know, many times. Um, because they just don't live in the same kind of, you know, time, uh, I guess, like in the same kind of time flow. So when you think about marketplaces, I think the interesting thing about a marketplace is that, you know, marketplace can be curated because obviously the, the owner of the marketplace comes with a specific voice and, and a specific view. And as such, like they kind of bring products to that marketplace. But the real curator of a marketplace is the consumer and no one else. They have the power to actually curate what's going to be and what's going to stay with their wallets. And whatever customers engage with um, and is actually what's eventually going to surface and what's you going to see more. So I think that there is something more you know, interesting uh, around marketplaces in general because it's literally empowering the customers and the brand, like it's a free market for them to kind of, you know, to kind of engage. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that you ended on that because it, it, it sparks a question for me about, you know, your use of um, the way in which you have invested in um, not only empowering consumers through things like the magic wand and making it experiential, but giving you insights and all that data to the kind of interactions they're having, you know, where they're gravitating to, how they're spending time. And so if you talk about the consumer as a curator, your data collection really empowers you to see that and inform some of your decisions, I would guess. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you touched exactly the point, right? So we, we look at ourselves as the ultimate curator, but the reality is, is that we are like, you know, we have a very clear kind of lens and we are trying to have a very strong and clear voice, but in the end, the 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 last line of defense is actually the customer. And as we grow, they are slowly, slowly having more power. And it's done exactly as you said by the use of data. So, for example, when you are walking around the store, 
and you, you know, with the magic wand or even before, um, are engaging with product, are engaging with brands, you're basically telling us, this is what I like more. This is what I like less. And this allows us to make more informed decisions. Now, what's unique about Showfield compared to like other, you know, and I don't think it's like comparing us to a department store because like it's not, um, you know, it's not a question of what is better or what is worse. We're just like a completely different kind of model. But when you compare like Showfield to another multi-brand environment, the advantages that we have is one, the business model, as I touched, right? We have the power to decide or to, to listen to the customer and say, we are going to bring this product to you to engage with, even though like, you know, that's not going to be the best seller in two months, maybe in six months, but that's the most interesting thing that would be relevant for you and give you the highest value right now. And the second thing is that we constantly change the brand in the store. So like, we can have, we can start the discussion by saying, this is what we think is relevant for that customer for that time and, and this location. But after listening to them, we constantly kind of improve and change both how we serve the brands and how we curate the brands. And I think that that creates like this, you know, it's like, um, it's like the same way you kind of do with a website, right? It's like this optimizing process, um, that eventually creates the best product to the customer um, and I think in the most efficient way um, and that can only be done by actually using data collected about their patterns um, and converting it to decisions that are going to affect their next visit. Right. And so how do you see the future of scaling retail when it comes to this aspect that you're talking about? You know, having it so that retailers and brands are enabled with data collection and and the ability to analyze it in a seamless way and create experiences that accommodate consumers? So it's a great question. I mean, big picture, I believe that the future of retail from that perspective um, is flexible. And I believe that what we are going to see is that many retail environments are going to just dedicate a part of their store um, to a certain form of a marketplace um, that they would understand the power of like being able to easily surface other brands and other products um, in order to serve their goals so they can collect a lot of data without, you know, spending money on, you know, in the traditional way that they did until today. Um, and also being able to just bring um, a lot of interesting and relevant content to their stores. So I think like in general, um, like brands on retailers are starting to understand that, um, you know, it's like we all know somewhere in the back of our heads, like all retailers, I mean, that it's very, very hard to meet the expectations of customers. And we all know also, by the way, what it is that they want, right? Like it's very clear that they're like, there is a place of, you know, of community and that you want to bring place to in kind of, you know, so you can, pour a lot of relevant content for them and you know that you want to inspire them and you know that you want to engage with them. But the fact that you know all of those things and that you know what, like how the future of retail looks like, it doesn't mean that you have the, you know, managerial time, attention or resources to execute on it. So I think that what we are going to see is that more and more and more brands are actually going to either by themselves or with like, you know, 
Um, other uh, partners are going to dedicate a part of their space um, to the creation of that environment, which is going to you know provide both them value, but also their customers and those brands that they kind of host. Um, and that's something that we are very, very passionate about. And I think that like, you know, in somewhere in the near future, um, we will also kind of explain our part um, of that, you know, next phase in the revolution. Well, I will have to have you back on so we can discuss that. Um, so tell me then in 10 years from now, what is the, what is the, what does the future of the store look like? Um, so I, I think that, what we are going to see is like if I'm trying to kind of zoom out to your question and, and you know I think that when you look at like other uh, you know other places that like other technologies that kind of shaped our life usually um, what really shapes our like technology shapes our perception of reality usually in an unconscious kind of way. So, for example, when you walk into, uh, you know, into like a, a Lyft or when you walk into Uber and like someone knows your name, it's kind of obvious, right? Like it's obvious that they would know, you know, what do I like? What are my preferences? If I want to talk, if I don't like we take it for kind of granted, right? So, for example, like this is one part which I think is very, you know, relevant to the future of retail and that's kind of continuous, right? So I think, you know, I imagine this universe where you can basically, you know, customers don't think in ways of platforms. So it's ridiculous for me to, um, to even describe it in a way of, of, a, of in, in like within, with using the words platforms, but you would be able to just walk to your store, to a specific store and continue physically the exact same session that you had on the website. So let's say you went to zara.com. And, you know, you browse products, you had more attention about this, maybe you even had something in the cart. Imagine that, like, you will be able to walk into a store and and you basically continue that session. Like, there's going to be a part of that store that is going to feature to you digitally, physically, probably the merger of them. But, like, the continuous of that, like, there is a part of the store that is going to be completely, like, you know, that is going to continue that experience for you in a very natural way. By the way, the same way that like when you watch a movie, like when you watch Netflix on your phone and then you open the TV and it just continues from the exact same point, which for us is so obvious, but it's so complex to do, right? Like that's really what's interesting. Like customers don't use the words omni-channel. Like, like for them, it's just a natural expectation. So the two words would be personalized and continuous. Continuous, as I said, like just being able to cross between sessions um, physically and digitally. And personalized mean that, like, again, there is going to be a part of that store that is going to be not only featuring what you had in that session, but also is going to curate a part of that experience or your experience in that store based on what or like what that retailer analyzes as your, you know, as your persona or as your character. Or by the way, maybe we are also in that point, like, the power would actually move to the customer. So like you can control in your app or on your device at that point, like when I walk into a store, I actually give you the, you know, I give you the the power or I give you like the ability or I would want to see a path which is personalized for me. So I think that there's going to be a lot of those things which 
are very, very interesting. And, and in general, by the way, from a brand perspective, um, I don't think that retailers are going to think anymore with digital or physical or online or offline. Like in the future, it's all going to be brand touch points. And that's all. doesn't matter if you saw an ad on a subway, if you saw something in a store, or if you saw it on your phone or on your lenses or on your whatever. No matter where you shopped it, they are all brand points in that kind of journey. And because we are at that future, there is full attribution. And that's why you don't really care where it was in that process. Um, so I think there is a lot of interesting, fun things that are going to come ahead. Yeah, no, I, I love a lot of what you said there. And I completely agree. I mean, if you think about um, the world we live in, where we, we, you know, we on demand, get, you know, ask things from Alexa, you know, add stuff to my shopping list or order my coffee, or, you know, you, you talked about Lyft or Uber. And um, we don't expect that to just change because we've walked into a store. We expect that fluidity to continue. So, um, I agree that it's got to go more and more in, in that direction. And we're already starting to see remnants of that whole BYOD, bring your own device shopping, right? And so um, I agree we're just going to see a continuous evolution of it. Um, we'll see how our phones continue to evolve because, as you said, technology shapes our reality. So the more it empowers, the more you see those behaviors change. Um, well, it was great speaking with you, Tal, and I think our audience – really um, learned a lot and and uh, kind of opens the minds of what's possible in, in retail. Um, before I let you go, I ask all of our guests, because we're in this 2020 world of not really traveling much, um, but we're going to travel again. And so um, having been from Israel, uh, what recommendations would you make for our audience of the top three things to see or do the next time that they're able to travel there? Uh, um, so, I mean... What I like about Israel, I think, is proportion. It kind of helps you put things in proportion. Um, so, like, the three places I would say, like, great to visit is obviously first would be Jerusalem, just because it's such a small place and yet um, has so much, like, spiritual importance to so many, you know, kind of different religions around the world. And I think that that's kind of... There are not many places where you can actually walk the streets, but you feel that like you feel that something happened there. Like you feel like you know that you are a part of history, and it's a very, very, very unique kind of I think uplifting experience um, for you know for everybody, um, which I think like is very, very unique, and that's why I would say Jerusalem. I would say Tel Aviv just because like you know probably a combination of you know, the best food uh, out there because it's like this fusion by definition um, of everything great around the world. And talking about proportion, I think uh, the Dead Sea, which is the lowest place in the world. Um, uh, by the way, like talking about proportion, all of them are probably 20 minutes drive because that's kind of how small Israel is. Um, but, you know, like the lowest place in the world is a good place to get proportion because, you know, you can all only go up from there. So I think those like three places are, you know, very recommended to visit. And uh, in general, I just kind of, you know, I wish we will get to that universe um, so we can all go back to traveling and being with our families, um, no matter where they are. 
Yes, I can't wait for that. And those are three fantastic additions to my list. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been to Israel yet, so I'm, I, I've been wanting to visit all of those. So thanks for sharing that. Um, well, everyone, again, this was Tal, co-founder uh, and CEO of Showfields. Thank you so much for being with us today um, and enlightening us on your point of view of, of the future of retail. Thank you very, very much for having me and uh, look forward to meeting in person. Yes, absolutely.